Today we continue our series in the letter of Paul to the Ephesians, from Ephesians chapter 1, and we will meditate in verse 7 to verse 10. Will you please turn there with me? And for the sake of seeing the verse in the context, we will also be reading from verse 3 to verse 14 in chapter 1. Please, will you, will you stand as we read God's word together? Ephesians chapter 1 from verses 3 to verse 14. That says the word of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praises of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, the beloved, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to, to his purpose, which he has set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of, of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praises of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of, of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praises of his glory. That is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, there is uh, heaviness in my heart to be able to communicate the profound truth, Lord, of these few verses that you have for us this afternoon. Will you help us? Will you help me to communicate it in a way that will be profitable, Lord, for your flock? Speak, O oh Lord, because your children are here to listen to you. May our hearts and minds be completely yours this afternoon. May your kingdom come. We pray, show us Christ and glorify his name in our midst. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So last week we saw how God has chosen us in Christ and has predestined us for adoption as son through our Lord Jesus Christ to the praises of his glory. And today we will continue counting and meditating on our spiritual blessings as we see Paul describing them in this letter. According to Paul, who 
is or who was inspired by the Holy Spirit, believers have experienced the, uh, the abundance of God's grace in the redemption that Christ has provided and the forgiveness of sins. They have also experienced the riches of God's grace in the provision of every kind of wisdom and insight which have made known to them the mystery of God's will. That is what we're going to see this afternoon from this text. The blessing of redemption, forgiveness of sin, wisdom, and insight in knowing God's plan for the ages. And just as Paul broke up in praise as he realized these blessings that believers have in Christ, my prayer this afternoon is that as we meditate on all of these blessings, the Holy Spirit will capture our hearts and fill our mouth with words of praises as he gives us light that we need to understand all of this truth. And for us to have blessing and praising God for his blessings in our lives, as Paul did, as Paul desired, and as, a Paul, as Paul prayed for the church of Ephesus as well. So what are the next blessings in the sequence of our study that we should be aware and that will cause us to bless God. This is then my first point, redemption and forgiveness of sin according to God's grace, which is in verse 7. And we will see them in pairs just for the sake of time. So we see then that Paul introduces in verse 7 this blessing of redemption. He starts saying over there that in him, in a sequence that we just saw at the end of verse 6, as you can see there in your Bible, he says at the end of, the, of verse 6 that the praises of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us were in the beloved. And then he starts saying in him, meaning in the beloved, in the beloved who is our Lord Jesus Christ, we have redemption through his, his blood. The word redemption is a very Christian word. But I know that many of us, we know what it means. But many also we use without knowing exactly what it means. So redemption means the, to be delivered by the payment of, of a price. So it is important for us to have this concept, in, the right concept in our mind. And then you can ask, to be delivered of what? And for this, we need to tell that the New Testament writers, normally they would have all the story of the Old Testament in their mind as they are writing these letters. And for sure, because Paul was a rabbi, he had the first time this word was used, which was in the context of the Exodus, when God came to deliver Israel from Egypt. 
of course, we know that Israel as the people of God, they were captive in Egypt. And God in Exodus 6, uh, chapter 6, verse 6, has promised to Moses to deliver them from the bondage of slavery. And let me tell you that the Exodus or the story of Israel works as a type of our salvation now in Christ. We are not removed from Egypt, but we are removed or saved from our sins. We are delivered not from the tyranny of Pharaoh, but we are delivered from the powers of this world, the darkness, sin, and death that enters the world from Adam. Brothers and sisters, friends, we all need that deliverance. We need redemption. And the Bible is saying here that God has given us this redemption in and through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you have doubt about that, Paul will make this point very clearly, and we will start that in chapter 2. I just want you to quickly go there and see exactly what I'm saying here. In chapter 2, Paul says over there in verse 1 to verse 3, this is what Paul says. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Brothers and sisters, the picture Paul has here, as I said, is from the storyline of the Bible. We know that when sin came into the world because of the rebellion of Adam and Eve, ever since every human being that came to exist in this world, came under the power and the dominion of the powers of darkness. Everyone, even now, when a baby comes, this is the reality, the worldview that God wants us to have. In order for us to understand the redemption that he has given us in our Lord Jesus Christ. If this is not enough, you have seen in the, in, the, in the scripture reading that God in our Lord Jesus Christ, Colossians 1.13, has transferred us from the power of darkness to the kingdom of his son, the kingdom of, of light. This is the redemption that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we need and we have reasons to praise God, isn't it? By His grace, by the abundance of His grace, God has redeemed us, has taken us from the dominion of darkness 
to, to the dominion or to the kingdom of his son. I need to cautious you or to just ask you to reflect that this is the worldview God wants us to, is inviting us for us to see the world. Everyone that has not received Christ in his or her life is still under the dominion of the powers of this world. And it's not only that. If you can imagine the brokenness that was there in Israel, how they would suffer by the mistreatment of the Egyptians. There was a lot of brokenness. But it is not only them that face brokenness. Today, we live in a broken world, isn't it? Every place you can turn, there is a broken relationship. We are living in this corrupt world, in the system that there is no any hope. And the Bible says that God, in our Lord Jesus Christ, has redeemed us, has delivered us in and through what the Bible says there in verse 7, his blood. We say that for redemption to exist, a payment of a price needs to be uh, also satisfied. And what was the payment that Jesus gave to redeem us? The Bible says that through his, his blood. And here, we need to understand that Paul is using a metaphor, okay? He's using a, 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 a figure of speech. The blood really means Jesus' sacrificial death for us at the cross of Calvary. The same way for the Israelites, for them to be delivered, a lamb needed to be what? Killed. And the blood put on the doorpost in order for the angel of death not to destroy the firstborn. The same way that was the picture or the type anticipating Jesus' death at the cross of Calvary. His blood, his sacrificial death is the payment for our redemption. Brothers and sisters, our redemption was accomplished by the means of the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus does not redeem us by his sinless life. He did not deliver us in and through his moral example, but only by his sacrificial death in our place, by his blood. Spurgeon say, observe that it is not redemption through his power. It is through his blood. It is not redemption through his love. It is through his blood. Jesus died to redeem us and to reconcile us back to our God. The redemption also implies or is closely associated with forgiveness. 
See what the Bible says there. That in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses or the forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of his grace. Brothers and sisters, the Bible says that without uh, the blood, there is not what? Forgiveness of, of sins. Hebrews 9, 22. And this is what Jesus, in his redemption for us, accomplished for us. He accomplished forgiveness of our debt against God. Isaiah says that I, or God is, or Isaiah is prophesying, God saying, I, I am he who blots out your transgression for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. Through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Now, when God says that he doesn't remember our sins, he is not limiting his perfect knowledge. Instead, he means that he doesn't remember our sins against us. There is not a bill that we need to pay anymore. God knows that we have sinned, but he does not allow that sin to impact his relationship with us. Why? Because the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ speaks in our behalf before the throne of justice. Jesus will say before God, Lord, Father, I paid. Forgive them. Father, I paid, forgive them. Father, I prayed with my life, forgive them. This is a reason, brothers and sisters, that we have to glorify God, to bless his name. We are forgiven. We are forgiven. <laughs> we are forgiven. If you are here, and you need forgiveness. Believe in our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you can just remember what God's word says about those that had seen dramatically. Like, think about Paul. He killed people. Thousands and thousands of people. But the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ is sufficient for Paul. As long as he repented and came by faith and repentance to our Lord Jesus Christ, he found forgiveness. Do you need forgiveness? No matter what you have done, the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ can speak in your behalf forgiveness before the holy God and the righteous God. And he will forgive you because of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you repent and come to him in faith. Trusting that he, in that cross when he said, Father forgive them. He has forgiven you. You remember pastor spoke about Corey Ten Boone and the jailer. I don't know, some weeks ago, 
Just imagine the guilt in the heart of that jailer of many lives that he has taken. But because he heard the gospel, because he heard that Jesus Christ has paid for his sins, he believed and he was forgiven. And even Corey Ten Boom needed to extend forgiving for forgiveness to him as well. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ is the payment for our redemption. He is also the very blood that speaks forgiveness before the throne of grace. Some of us, we are not aware of this. We think that we need to be perfect. We think that our own works is the one that will make us perfect before God. Therefore, you cannot sing honestly. The cross has spoken. What? I am forgiveness. The king of kings calls me his own. Beautiful savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Today you need to say, hallelujah. I am saved. I am forgiven. I am redeemed. I belong to our Lord Jesus Christ. Next time we sing this song, sing with understanding. There is another song we sing. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, I pour thy look and see him there who made an end for all my sin. Because the sealness Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on me and pardon me. Sing with meaning. Sing with meaning. Sing with understanding. We have redemption and forgiveness. It is an ongoing state. See that Paul is saying that we have. It is not that we had or that we will have. It is that we have. Now, we are forgiven. He does that to stress the reality of the nature of our salvation in and through our dynamic relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you aware of that? Are you aware of that? Are we aware of that? New Life Church. Aren't these spiritual realities enough for us to bless God? Yes, they are, I can tell you. If we understand what is at stake there. If we understand what God has done for us. To praise him and say, Lord, you are worthy. 
You are worthy to have my life. You are worthy of my everything. Lord, you are worthy. You are worthy. But Paul doesn't stop there. Yeah? He says there are more blessings for us to experience in Christ, in our Lord Jesus Christ. According to the abundance of his grace, the grace of God. We continue in saying there, we see that Paul says that which, with which he lavished upon us, verse 8, with all wisdom and insight. That is my second point. Remember that Paul has at the back of his mind the storyline of the Bible, including the redemption of the Israelites from Egypt. But the Bible says that when God brought them out of Egypt, he took them where? To the Mount Sinai. And remember that he says that they would come to Mount to Mountain Sinai to do what? To worship him. And in Exodus chapter 9, from verse 3 to 6, can you go there quickly? We don't have much time, but this is important. See what God says for the people of Israel. Exodus chapter 19, verses 3 to 6. He says like this, verse 3. While Moses went up to God, the Lord called him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of, of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, Yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagle's wing, and did what? And brought you to myself. Let's just keep there. Okay? Stop there. Like God took them from Egypt, from the boundaries of darkness, from slavery of Pharaoh, redeemed them, and brought them to to himself. Brothers and sisters, this is what Paul says in Romans 5. That's our reality as well in our Lord Jesus Christ. If you go to Romans 5, maybe you can just note down. It is written there, I assure you. Chapter 5, verse 10 and 11, the Bible says, For if while we were God's enemies... We were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God, in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received what? Reconciliation. So that redemption and forgiveness of sin now allows us to be in intimate relationship with, with God. So as we commune with him, now we have wisdom and insight that comes from him according to the riches of his glory. This is what the Bible says there in verse 8. In all wisdom and insight. Wisdom and insight for what? Wisdom and insight for us to understand that this life that we live is all about Jesus. And that we all need to embrace and invite those that has not this life with Jesus to come and be part of this life. 
Insight and wisdom for what? To know where we, are, where we came from, where we are, what are we doing, why we are here, and where we are going. Isn't it revealed in God's word? Isn't it revealed in the wisdom that God has given us in, given us in his word? Wisdom and insight for what? For us to know where the history of this world is going. We are going somewhere according to God's word. And he is inviting us to have these lenses for us to see life according to his eyes. This is the wisdom and insight that he is offering us. Again, we gain insight into the fact that God no longer holds us guilty from our sins because Jesus paid for it or for them with his sacrificial death and discern that we have a new freedom, that we are free. Free for what? Free in Christ, not to go there and live our lives the way we want, not to go there and think that we can sin because the forgiveness has, has, has been given. It is not an excuse for us to go and sin, nor for us to live for ourselves and self-consumption. But we have this freedom to serve God and his kingdom. It reminds me of the sons of Issachar. When the Bible says in First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, that they were men that understood the times and knew what Israel should do. This is the, the kind of insight and wisdom that God offers to us in our Lord Jesus Christ. When we have that dynamic relationship with God, God will direct our steps with wisdom and insight. Even when you think that you don't know what to do, God will guide you. God will guide you. Why? Because he has given us what? Wisdom and insight in and through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't this enough for us to bless God? But it doesn't stop there. Okay? This is only the starting point. Because the next verses show that this wisdom and insight that God gives us according to the abundance of his grace is for the purpose for us to understand his mind, his way of thinking, and his plan for the ages. See with me there verse 9 in our passage. And this leads me to my last point which is that the wisdom and insight that we receive from God is for revelation of the mystery of God's will. Verse 9 says, Making known to us, what? The mystery of His will. This word mystery can mean or we can misunderstand if we input our own understanding or our common understanding of this word. But let me say that what is the content of that mystery? He continues in saying, verse 10, okay, let me read from verse 9. Making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, 
which he set forth in Christ to do what? Verse 10 is very important. As a plan for the fullness of time, to do what? In the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, in him who? Christ Jesus. Things where? On earth and things on, on earth. This is what God is doing. He is uniting or bringing all things in heaven and on the earth in a coherent whole for himself under the headship of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the word mystery, according to the Bible, means that something that was hidden in the past in God that human beings cannot discover or understand it through their own ingenuity, ingenuity, or study. In other words, we cannot know these things apart from God's revelation. And guess what? The Bible is saying here that in Christ, God has given us this, or has revealed to us this mystery. He gave us the grace for us to know it. He has now revealed his mystery to us through the prophets in his words, through the apostle in his words. We will deal with that later on again, but I just want you to see that even here in Ephesians. Turn quickly to Ephesians 3. We will read quickly from verses 1 to verse 6. That says the word of God. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me uh, for you, how what the mystery was made known to me by what? Revelation, as I have written briefly, meaning what he wrote in chapter 1 and 2. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was made known to the sons, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, meaning in the past, and as it is now being revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. What is this mystery in the context of Ephesians? This mystery is the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the, the gospel. Now you need to follow me here, and we will be ending soon, okay? So in the context, Paul is saying that that unity Okay, that unity that God pretend bringing things on heaven and earth together has a reflection in the unity of Jews and Gentiles. Now, can you think of one of the most basic things to human existence than the reconciliation and healing of ethnic divisions, meaning different people group that normally don't like one another. Isn't this the very fact 
of wars that we have even today? Now, God is saying that because of the gospel, these two different people groups will come what? Together. Why? Because this is what God is doing. He is uniting heaven and earth, okay, in our Lord Jesus Christ. So, it is nothing new under the sun. It was there in the post days, and it is present today also in the church, or in the church of Ephesus. That is why you will see Paul using a lot of this language of oneness and unity in this letter. Why? Why is Paul saying to the Ephesians and to us today that we need to strive for unity? Because this is what God is doing. He is uniting all things in heaven and all things in the earth under the headship of our Lord Jesus Christ. This truth has been there in the Bible, throughout the Bible, from the first page to the last. This is our story. This is the story of all humanity. And we do well to know it. And God has given us his wisdom and insight for us to know this. Let me just give a brief overview of this story. The Bible affirms that God has created, or God's, at the beginning, God's creation was good. Not perfect, but it was very good. Everything had come into chaos because of the rebellion in creation. All things on earth, human being, in Adam and Eve, and the institutions they control, and in heaven, the realm of angels and, and spirits beings. Remember, the rebellion of Satan happened in heaven. But God did not abandon his creation on itself. He started a counteroffensive against sin, the rebellion, to restore it to its original harmony under the headship of, of Christ. Where Adam failed, the second Adam came to restore it and to give us what God wanted in, in the beginning in Adam. So his idea to, un to unite things in Christ in heaven and earth was launched into action. When he called Abraham and his family, he gave them the instruction to build the tent, the tabernacle, where? In the desert. The tabernacle was the place where heaven and earth were united. God could meet again with his, his people. The same thing happened in the temple. God would unite heaven and earth in the temple. Uh, the temple that was built in Israel. But remember when Jesus came and when he cleansed the temple, he said that you may destroy this temple and you will and I will build it up in three days. And John was telling that he was talking about himself. The temple was no longer the tabernacle, was no longer the temple in Jerusalem. The temple became who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. That's now in him where heaven and earth is united. But guess what? He started that, but he never finished yet. He inaugurated, but he didn't consummate. 
and we are waiting for him to consummate when he will come back. In between who is the temple, Peter says that you are the royal priesthood. You are the holy temple, the nation. We are now living stone, the temple of our living God. That's why if people want to see what heaven is or looks like, they need to come to the church. Because the church is the new temple that where God is uniting, okay, heaven and earth. Bringing us together in unity. Bringing us together for us to strive for unity in order for that to be reflected and displayed in the world. Brothers and sisters, this is the invitation that God is giving us this afternoon. Maybe you didn't understand anything that I just said. (laughs) No worries. The fact is that this is the plan of God. And the fact is that this is what he is doing. And he is inviting us for us to believe believe in this and for us to change our way of thinking, for us to invite his mentality to fill our minds in order for our lives to be full of Wisdom and insight. Brothers and sisters, we need to live in the light of eternity. We need to live in the light of what God is doing. And when we look to what God is doing, it will always demand from us a life transformation. We need to change our lifestyle and to live according to eternity. The way I work, the way I have my relationships, the way I educate my children, the way I speak, I come to church, the way I do business, Needs must be according to God's word in light of what God is doing. Where do you need to change? A word here for parents, mainly for the males. Our children, our wives, our families, they need to hear this story. They must. We as men, we are the shepherds of our families. Go with me to Romans quickly. I will finish there. The Bible says the following in Romans chapter 10. From verse 13. The Bible says the following. For everyone who calls upon the name or who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? Will be saved. But follow now the line of thought of Paul. How then will they call on him in whom they have not what? Believed. And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never believed? 
heard. And how are they to hear without someone do what? Preach or speak to them. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Brothers and sisters, children are gift from the Lord. You know why God has given you your children? For you to do this. For you to speak to them the story that God is doing in order for them to hear and believe. Without them hearing, they will not what? Believe. And this is the responsibility. Brothers and sisters, brothers, we need to wake up. We need to wake up. This is, look, I'm telling you one thing. The world there is preaching another history to our children. If we are quiet and we don't speak what God is doing, they will be taken by the world. But there is power in the words that God has given us to reconcile them, to, to redeem them from this dark world into his marvelous light in our Lord Jesus Christ. But for that to happen, we need to preach the good news unto them. There are many reasons for us to bless our God. He has redeemed us. He has forgiven us. He has given us what? Insight and wisdom for us to know how to live this life and for us to know and understand what he is doing and arrange our lives to align with that in order for us to see the kingdom of God. And when he comes, we will see him as he really is. Amen? Father, I know that there are more for you to speak to your children, dear Holy Spirit. We just ask you to help us. To help us acknowledge and not resist your word and your work in our hearts. To understand that you are worthy, O oh Lord. You are worthy of us giving up anything in this life and to follow you. As Paul prayed, we pray as well, Lord. Open up the heart, the, our minds for us to understand the scriptures. Flood the eyes of our hearts with light so that we can comprehend your calling in our lives and understand that we are going somewhere and that we are here, O oh Lord, for the sake of your kingdom. Father, will you find in us people that are humble, people that will not resist your word, people that will desire to seek you and to live a life that is meaningful, not only for the sake of this world, but with our eyes, O oh Lord, in eternity, so that we can know how to navigate the waters in this side of eternity. Receive all the glory. Receive all the honor. Because you have said, O oh Lord, that at the mention of the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Every knee shall bow, 
in heaven and on the earth. And every time confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. May we as individuals, families, and faith family declare that Jesus Christ is the Lord. It is in his name that we pray. Amen.